1: Welcome to, hey, Great Shot, this is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. Crazy to say this, folks. The college tennis season, it's officially underway. You look at the matches we have scheduled this weekend. Florida, Taken on TCU, if that's happening, you know the 2022 season has started. And of course, we are going to cover all of the action throughout the course of this 2022 season. We'll be here every week, breaking down what happened on the weekend, preview what's coming in the following weekend. But before we can do that, we got to finish up some off-season work here at CR. We have to finish our college contender series, breaking down our top 10 preseason men's and women's teams entering the 2022 season of course if you have missed any of our episodes we started at number 10 we've counted our way all the way to number three here on the men's and women's sides if you missed any of the episodes you can catch up on them all on our website crackrackets.com of course you can hear from so many of the power five coaches from across the country over on the cracked interviews podcast feed as well so we wanted to paint the full picture For all of you listeners this uh, offseason, have the conversations we know all of you college tennis fans are having as well. With all of that said, it's time for me to introduce the two other members who have helped steer this ship here in our College Contenders Series, the two other members of our Crack Rackets College Tennis Holy Trinity. Of course, let's start where we always start. Coming off of his first bye week in Crack Rackets podcasting history, you know this guest as a former four-star recruit on tennisrecruiting.net your favorite writer for our website crackrackets.com the other half of former Baylor and Duke standout Nick Stokowiak it's Matt the Cracks Stokowiak Matty welcome back to the show you left me and Chris Han solo last night that's never a good idea things got a little bit wacky that said it's great to have you back how are you doing today
2: Doing great, man. I'm, I'm energized. I'm ready to go. You guys know I've been waiting for this podcast for quite some time. So I'm um, excited to break everything down. But hey, look, man, I mean, compared to you, I know you've been catching up on a lot of sleep lately. There's a lot going on. And I just I don't know, man, I, I feel pretty good. I'm That's- energized. Me and Chris, we're, we're ready to rock and roll.
1: That's all I ever ask for is for you guys to be energized as we start the show. And, you know, to your point, we talked about number 10, Arizona. We talked our 10, Kentucky, number nine, Arizona, number eight, TCU, seven, Stanford. Each and every podcast episode, the Baylor Bears were Master Sikowiak's background. So, yes, I know he is excited for today's show. Less exciting for all of us, our third guest, third member of the College Tennis Holy Trinity of course you know him best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed utr one of the many dames to root for the liberty flames lover of almond joys lover of mothers the snitch the professor he quotes henry ford the one shoulder designer his utr is lower than a five a post prime greg maddox it's our friend chris halliars oh i forgot to say he played college baseball our friend Chris Helioris. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show.
3: How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I mean, I wish I could say that, you know, between the two of us, either one of us had as good as an excuse for a bye week as Maddie, but, you know, (laughs) he's more energized than us for sure.
1: Yeah. The good news is he will never listen to the podcast we did yesterday. And so he will never know how much we ripped on him throughout the course of that hour, hour (laughs) 15 minutes. Uh, It was a fun show. If you miss Chris and I talk about who we think the next top 100 collegians will be in the ATP singles rankings, you can hear that here on the Great Shot podcast. feed. You can find the link. On our website, crackedrackets.com. Of course, before we get to business today, gentlemen, breaking down a fascinating team in number three Baylor, I have my opening tangent for you. And it's that college tennis is back. Of course, last weekend we had a hidden duel down in Miami that saw Texas take on Georgia. This weekend, as I mentioned, F- uh, TCU, excuse me, taking on Florida. Florida also traveling down to Texas on Sunday to take on the Longhorns. Again, whether we like it or not, college tennis is here, folks. And there's action happening across the nation, some of it in the hidden dual format, others out in our faces. I want to start with you, Maddie. Not sure how closely you follow. Georgia, Texas was notable that once again, Elliot Spaziri did not play throughout the course of the weekend. Coach Burke mentioned it in our Cracked Interviews podcast with him. He's been battling injuries all fall long. He anticipates he'll get Spaziri back soon, obviously with the Florida match coming up worth keeping in mind as we we're recording this podcast TCU is playing a pretty uh, uh, Florida match they only have five players in their starting lineup today when we talked about them on the podcast we talked about we love their six but they're not as deep as they have been in the past and of course with COVID with injuries uh, that's been a constant bug for coach Roditi and we see that manifesting itself early so that's a data point you know your comment on those things anything else that's caught your eye here early on.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, we're, we're jumping right into it. You know what I mean? It, I, I always feel like back in the day, you know, I say back in the day, I feel like, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, the season would kind of start in January and we'd have a lot of those cupcake matches where, you know, the top 10 teams or whatever weren't always playing each other in January. But now it seems like every year. All of these, you know, upper echelon schools are scheduling each other early prior to the national indoors, um, you know, to get some good early matches in there. And yeah, just some things that caught my eye. You mentioned Georgia and Texas, no Spaziri, but Trent Bride was there for Georgia. He was able to take out Micah Braswell. I had my eye on that one. Interesting of note there. Um, You talk about TCU going on right now, the depth. I mean, this is what match number one. We did a whole podcast on TCU. See you a few weeks ago and all we talked about was hey we gotta hope they're not injured right we gotta hope that they've got guys and it already seems like something's going wrong there um you know so we just we have a lot of good stuff going on and it's time to start paying attention to everything yeah, really
1: chris there's a lot of good stuff going on it'd be nice if all of us had an easy way to follow it um you know maybe a website with ranks involving college and tennis, that would be delightful.
2: Um no, but, I agree, Gruskin. yeah, uh, man, it, I think Jay, wait, I, I, so good,
3: good news there, Gruskin. I think, you know, w- we may have to scour all kinds of places for the info, but I think, you know, over the over the next week or so, we're going to make some good strides into getting. I know everybody right now wants to see those schedules in a one consolidated place. So, uh, we'll put some work in here and hopefully, you know, in a, in a week or so we can get uh, schedules from, you know, whether it's all the team websites or wherever that may be, we'll, uh, we'll get that info out there and, and at least get that up to date. Uh, you know, it's I, clearly we're not ready for the, uh, the rankings yet as we don't have, uh, we don't have teams playing uh, and don't have a priest, you know, a rank to start from, but, but yeah, the schedules are the big thing. We all, including myself right we all want to go to the one place and go hey what's coming up in the week ahead
1: yeah no i i put that pressure on you as always we appreciate all the work you do for all of us college tennis fans some other texas notes you know C.M.R. and harper uh harper excuse me get a good win in doubles over hildebrand and pavel that feels significant as coach burke looks for teams and they're a top 15 team entering this uh, the season but you know again if you can get CMR on Harper you want to bring back Waldeep and Spaziri who experienced success last uh, year and we talked about that on the Texas podcast now you've got two teams you've still got options for three and Bailey played with a bunch of different players throughout the course of the weekend Bailey got a pretty good win I believe in singles as well over Georgia I'm forgetting uh who he knocked out but You know, again, I I think across the board, it was a pretty good week for Texas. Oh, Bailey beat Trey Hildebrand in three sets. That's who it was. Uh, You know, I thought it was a pretty good weekend for the UCF Knights, by the way. I thought it was pretty good uh, for Georgia as well. And I think that's probably my biggest takeaway is I'm not saying we undersold Georgia. We said they were in the mix for those 8 through 15 spots, you know, 9 through 15 spots. I actually think... If anything, and I say this lovingly, I want to knock down TCU and Stanford a peg. We said it was a definitive top eight. I think it's a definitive top six. I think TCU and Stanford are closer to the tier of Kentucky, Arizona, everyone else than they are to that top six tier. I know this is an early hot take, an early pivot for me, but that would probably be my thing as I look at this season, Chris. First weekend in the books, I'm sure you were noticing things. What'd you notice?
3: Well, man, I don't know that I'm ready to do anything to TCU or Stanford (laughs) just yet. I mean, they haven't (laughs) even played a match. You like (laughs) that? Whoa, hold on
2: there, Gruskin.
3: And I'm expecting big things from Stanford uh, and and TCU both, although more Stanford early and probably later with TCU as I expect them to kind of potentially get out of the gate a little slow with some injuries. But no, I mean, I I thought that hidden duel was very interesting. You see the spin that every team coming out of there put on it. They all look like they did great. Like mm-hmm. Miami posted a great record, you know, they mm-hmm. uh but it was all about, you know, who who we got to play who. And unfortunately we had a rain out afternoon in there that we didn't get to see some of the matches we wanted to see. But uh yeah, I think the encouraging part, I, I wasn't I was encouraged uh as you would say for Georgia. I admittedly, uh in kind of our preseason rankings was just a little iffy because a lot, you know, great pickups in, in Stuart McCormick for Georgia, but neither one of them in the fall really, you know, lit anything on fire and let us know, Hey, these guys are going to be really, really, really good. They, you know, they, they look like they're coming into kind of spring season form. So uh, I think that's very encouraging for, for Georgia. That was, that was pretty impressive for me and Bailey great weekend for Bailey. And, and, you know, you hate to read much into it because it's a hidden duel, that doesn't matter. But if you looked at the positions they were playing, Bailey was playing up at the top. So uh, you know, you know, maybe something to see. We're gonna find out really quick because they play Florida all right this weekend. So yeah.
1: no, it's not gonna shock me at all to see Harper five and Huang six or. You know, see, C- I mean, it's, you know, CMR four and Bay, uh, excuse me, Waldie five or Waldie four, CMR five and Harper six. I think that's very much in the cards if Spaziri is healthy. Thing again, Evan McDonald was very solid, particularly towards the end of last season. There's a big difference between he at six and Cleve Harper at six. So that's something to keep an eye on, certainly this weekend for Texas. And yeah, I mean, we get to see. How healthy is Sam Riffis, right? Like, I feel like there's a world where Riffis is playing three, four in the singles lineup to start the season. I mean, four would be ridiculous for the defending NCAA champion. Yeah, there's I can't no I can't Burke,
3: imagine him playing anything. Uh, other especially than against a Bruce starter.
1: Burke coach team. You think that's going to fly? No way. Uh, Maddie, your thoughts on all this as well.
2: Yeah, I was going to say one more thing, Gruskin, and shout out to you. I think you even tweeted this maybe earlier today about Tennessee. Ooh. So I think they had a match, and we saw uh, Johannes Monday playing ahead of Adam Walton at number one. Walton played two in their match. I think it was earlier today, right? I could be wrong yeah. on that. No, it was, was earlier today. Or today. Yep. Yeah, that was today. So that's interesting, right? But you know what? I'm really not that surprised. I mean, we're talking about a six five lefty that is obviously – I mean, the pro tour is, was made for this type of a player, um, big aggressive style player. So he should, I mean, I would love to see him kind of assume that number one role and let Walton slide down at number two. If they roll with that, I, I like it a lot. I really do.
1: Especially indoors, right? Monday, 6'5", lefty, that much yes. more effective. Not saying he's not effective outdoors as well, but indoors that much more so. Walton's going to grind no matter what flight he's at. You bring up Tennessee, Chris, this is a question directed for you, but also a statement for me. And it's not reporting, but you talk to enough coaches, to a T, Chris, they questioned Blaise Bicknell's eligibility here this spring. And let's be clear, why is that eligibility being questioned? This is something I'm sure we'll talk about in our Tennessee episode. And spoiler alert, they're in our top two. We think that highly of the volunteers this year. But talk to any coach, and they'll say, Alex, Blaise Bicknell played a match for Florida this fall. If you play a match in the fall, you cannot play for a new team in the spring. Now, it was one match. And again, I know the Tennessee coaches were damn sure he would be eligible come this spring. But Chris, he wasn't in the lineup in the two matches seen today. And that could just be an issue of, you know, we don't need him today. We'll play him more when things matter later on. Or is there a problem brewing for the volunteers? This is obviously something I'll ask them when we have them on the Correct
3: Interviews podcast. But what are you hearing? Yeah, I don't know. I I, like you, right? We we talked to the coaches. The coaches were dead up confident. There is no problem at all. He'll be eligible. Haven't really talked about it since. And then we see him not in the lineup today. That's the first, you know, that's the first thing I've seen really since those talks. So, you know, now did they need him? No, but it's but but everybody else either. Yeah, Yeah, but everybody else was very
1: that I can tell you. Prod is just still working his way back. He played the hidden duel I think last weekend.
3: Okay. So yeah, I, I I don't know. I, it's definitely something that we need to look into and keep an eye on. Uh, because that, I mean, that's going to be obviously that played a factor in everybody's uh, views on, on them coming into the year with, with that big addition. So, uh, so definitely something we've got to look into. But are you hearing the same pushback
1: from other coaches, the non Tennessee
3: ones? Absolutely. I mean, from day one, I got yeah. that from people. Like, there's no way he can be eligible. He played a match, and I, you know, and that's what went to the Tennessee folks and said, "Look, I'm being told that because he played a match for them." They even asked him point blank, he won't be on. They said, "Nope, not a problem." Yeah. So, who did he play? Uh, you know,
2: what event was this? Like
3: first weekend for Florida, some so they invitational. Had like that, yeah, they had that that Gator Invitational or yeah. whatever it was. He. He and Goodyear both played because it was, but it was the opportunity for the two guys that didn't lose a match last year to lose their first match of the year, right? And they both played.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating. And again, we will talk about it with the coaches. Look, even without Bicknell, Walner, Harper, Angel, Connor, they've got options at the bottom of their lineup, and you feel pretty good with rolling with a four of Monday, uh, Walton, Hud, and Prada. But if you throw Bicknell in that mix, Mitsui in that mix as and well, Mitsui, the freshman. Yeah. I mean, it's a new ball game with that six. And so, again, something for us to monitor as we look towards the season. Last one for both of you, and I know, and Jay and I talk about this in the lead into the number two uh, Texas women's podcast. But what are your thoughts on the Alexa Noel transfer? Because we saw this happen last year on the men's side with Richard Ciamara, with Tristan McCormick, where the announcement was made prior to the ending of the season. And, you know, we talked about it in the moment that it was just a little weird and a little unkosher. That said, of course, we love to see any social media department show excitement about their college athletics, in particular college tennis. And look for Miami, new football coach. Uh, You bring in Mario Cristobal. You're trying to amp up excitement about the athletics in general. You bring in someone like Alexa Noel. You can understand, I suppose, in theory, the thought behind why they would want to hype that up. That said... She's got a full year at Iowa. I'm just curious what you think, Maddie, about the whole situation.
2: I mean, it's one of those things. I think it's it's an individual type of situation. Everybody's going to have some different thoughts on this and how they would want to approach it. I know for me personally, if I was in that position, I don't know if I would just want to drop that bomb right now, right? I, I don't know. With my current teammates like I just don't know and right I've never been in that position. So I'm not really one to talk on this, but I feel like that's how I would feel about it. But everyone's different. I mean, you know, if she's comfortable with that, and you know that being out there, I I don't see any issue with it, as long as the players good with it. I mean, that's the most important thing. So to each their own. That's what I would say. It's a fair
1: take. If this helps her focus on this year moving forward, then all power to her. Put the, yeah. get this out there. Put that yeah. behind you. And right, you know, I say this with Jay. It was an open secret. She was on the transfer portal. A lot of people were talking about it. And you know, again, your player, your fellow players are going to know that you were on the transfer portal to begin with. So maybe this does provide some clarity. It is a little weird, though, Chris.
3: Yeah, I mean, you probably know better than I as to the reasons, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I would equate that much less like a Ciamara or McCormick and much more like a uh, Nave and Matthias Seymour, because they're done before the, the season has even started from from a team perspective, right? The other, the other two that you talked about were done sort of mid-season, if you would. You know, they were in the middle of the dual match season. This has happened before we've even started. So, you know, and, and every situation is different. Some of those situations were just, Hey, they're not going to give me a grad year. It's very amicable. I'm looking for somewhere to go that's got the program I want to get my degree in and or a graduate degree and 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 that's where I'm looking. But at the same time, you know, in this case and, and I don't know if it's just a yeah, hey, I transferred here, it's not working out. Um it's, you know, I don't know. It I think you might if it's I almost pref- I actually almost prefer to see it happen before the season, get it out of the way, now play the season and be done, then sort of have it pop up right in the middle of a year. Um, But, you know, that's just what we're hearing. I'm sure that when those things happen, the the players all know. They're all talking amongst each other. It's not like like they go and drop the bomb and all of a sudden you walk in and you find out, you know, your star player's leaving and you didn't know. I mean, they know. Do you
1: think Parsa's a bit perturbed that – it was announced by the school and not by him or not by—like, I was furious. I was like, how am I not getting the scoop? You know, how is Parson not getting the scoop? The school yeah. beats us to the scoop. But uh, it's interesting. And to your point, it wasn't a March announcement, but it was right as the season was beginning. And there is something different to an actual Neve or those players, you know, who graduate and say, well, I've got a fifth year coming up. I need to figure out my plan before I go into this season, so I'm not stressing about it all year long. It's another thing – I mean you're right. This is a different quality of transfer and not in terms of player but just the qual- – you know, why is she making this decision? It's not the same as a fourth year just not having a spot to be there year five. But it, again, it, it's certainly one of the hot stories across college tennis. So I wanted to hear about that from both of you. With that in mind, let's get to today's business. And Maddie alluded to this earlier. We we're starting this podcast recording a bit late. Not a shock to Matt and Chris but – because simply put, I, I fell asleep. Like you're trying to follow the Australian action, we're trying to do Australian Open previews, college tennis previews, all of these things. I sat down on my bed at seven o'clock, being like, oh, I'll just chill here for a second. All of a sudden, it's eight fifteen. I hear my phone going off. Chris is like, "Hello, anyone? Like, please." And I was like, "Oh, sorry, guys, I'm on my way." But the brain has now warmed up, and with that in mind, let's preview number three, Baylor. So, Maddie, this is a team all of us know pretty well at this point. You, intimately so, last season, your brother Nick playing as the number four singles player on a team that accomplished damn near everything it set out to do. Big 12 regular season co-champions, Big 12 tournament title winners, national indoor finalists, NCAA finalists as well. And this is a team that, again, brings back its entire top three. A top three that I thought got better as the season progressed. And you look in particular, I think, every player, fan, coach across the country, now considers Adrian Boyton to be one of, if not the top player in the country. And you look at what Adrian was able to accomplish last season, 16 and four at the number one single spots, knocks off Bloomberg and the team uh, in the individual event and was playing so well uh, down the home stretch of the season. Of course you look at some of the other guys, Matias Soto, sixteen and six, Sven Lund did not start out the season well, twelve and ten overall, but was so much better by the end of the year. All of those guys are back. And when you look again last season, of course, the big story coming into the year, Brian Boland's departing gift to Waco, Nick Stakoyak, Charlie Broom, Spencer Furman. What do those three guys do, you know, a combined for Nick fourteen and five? Charlie, 23-6. and six. Spencer, 23-3. and three. Those guys delivered the goods. I know there wasn't a national championship in the end, but I feel like 2021 went about as well as it could have gone for the Baylor Bears, right? That's a top 10% sort of scenario for the team.
2: Oh, for sure, man. I mean, it was a very, very special season. I mean, it one of the best seasons in program history. I mean, it, it's got to be right. I mean, if you look what look at what they accomplished, that's definitely one of their better seasons ever. I know they won the title in two thousand four, obviously, but for two thousand five, four, I think. Um, but no, I mean, they're bringing that core back. Those top three guys, Gruskin, like you mentioned, they're all All Americans. I mean, we know they're some of the best players in the country. Um, but when you come off a season like that right it's going to be interesting because now you know i don't want to say the expectations are there or whatever but i mean it's it's a long road to get all the way to the end like that i mean i know these guys really grind it they put in a lot of work on that journey um and it's a whole bunch of effort so now they're gonna to have to get up for it again and, and try to repeat that I think they can do it because like you said they bring back a core of of guys that are as good as anybody in the country and then of course coach woodson as he always does he's gonna reload you know it's not a rebuild you lose guys he reloads so um this team's ready to win right away again
1: we've all gotten to know coach woodson pretty well over the past couple of months and years but let's be clear last season was his first at the helm for the Baylor Bears, and, you know, I got the chance to spend some time down in Waco in November, and, you know, Westhoff was there with me, we got the chance to pretty much meet everyone associated with the program, and... With all due respect to every other coach, and I'm fond of so many of these coaches across the country now, I say it on many of the Cracked Interviews podcast, why does college tennis have the depth it does? Because the quality of coaching, I mean, this isn't the only reason, but the quality of coaching has never been better. You've got former All-Americans or national championship winning coaches, former top pros at just about every school. And obviously, Michael Woodson is not those things. Now, he comes from a family, uh, you know, his father was a coach, mother was a teacher, You know, he comes from a teaching family. But it is so clear, being around that school and being around that program, that Coach Woodson is the engine that makes everything go. And I would say this about other schools if I knew them as intimately as I knew, you know, the Baylor program. And I would say the same thing about Coach Dancer, same thing about Coach Tucker at Illinois and Ohio State. And I know those programs a little bit better. But Coach Woodson's discipline, the organization, just – His ability to say, okay, what do you want your plan to succeed to be? All right, here's how we're going to execute it. Here are the resources. Let's make it happen. Oh, we need to make an adjustment here. Okay, here are the resources. Let's make it happen. That attention to detail is why you can bring in three transfers who are all experienced players. Let's be clear. For part of the success, it just helps to have guys who are better than everyone else last year. But he put them in a position to succeed. And 24-5 and overall, Chris, again, like— yeah, I know they left 34. two matches on the table. 34-5, oh, and five, thank you. I Yes, I know they left some matches on the table. But honestly, North Carolina was better than them at the National Indoor Final. And honestly, in Orlando, with all due respect, they won that doubles point. Sure, they had some momentum first hour, hour and a half of the match. But Fleur played them in the National Championship as well. And like... With all due respect to Baylor, and I'm sure uh, after raving about Coach Woodson, uh, maybe now's a chance for me to throw a knife at him. They were the bridesmaid last year. They weren't the bride. Like, with all due respect, North Carolina was the best indoor team win healthy. Florida was the best outdoor team win healthy. Baylor was really, really good, better than everyone else. But they got outplayed on those two championship days. And so, like, I don't know what you can complain about if you're a bear. I think last season was about as well as it could have gone.
3: Yeah, well, I don't know if it's as well as it could have gone. They could have won. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but you're right. But I your mean, point, they were close. Your your point is valid. Yeah. Best all-around team, probably. But yeah, second indoors, second outdoors, uh, and and probably as it deserved to be. But if you said, hey, give me the balance to cross the board any surface game, yeah, they were probably, you know, they might have been the best team uh from that perspective. But uh, you know, but that's not how they play it. So yeah, they I mean they still. They Still could have won, right? And it's, you know, especially in NOAD tennis, it's like, yeah, we can look back and go, look, Florida never lost a singles point the entire NCAA tournament. They weren't going to lose. Well, you know, a couple points here and there in NOAA scoring, and it's a totally different match, right? <laughs> I mean, it, things could have turned. So it's, it, I just it's think not right like-
1: away, Texas AM, Aguilar, Habib, Vashiro, they all could have won their singles matches to dish Florida the loss. And, you know, semifinals, yeah, they end up winning that match pretty comfortably over Texas, but, you know, Spaziri was fighting at one. There were good matchups everywhere across the board. You're right. In hindsight, Florida clearly looks like they were the best team. Baylor did have a chance to win. I, I think, I mean, they had a chance to win the final as well. If Boyton gets that set off of Blumberg, doesn't allow him to get over the finish line, they keep playing that match. Life becomes a little bit more tricky. I, I guess to your point, to what I was trying to say, and I always appreciate you clearing it up, Professor, um, it is it is the idea that, I mean, this team was just really, I, I like, it's crazy to think last year's version of this team felt like a team that was one year away. Where it's like, all right, this year we get the lumps in the final, next year we get over the hump.
3: Yeah, and I mean, look, we all knew, I think, I, this is one of those, I was always the guy that was, you know, not the big Baylor fan, right? I was like, eh, and I, you know, I'm the guy that took Florida. But then as soon as the season was over, I was the first guy to say, you guys are all underselling how good they're going to be next year. Yes, they're losing the rocks at four, five, and six that they brought in as transfers. But trust me, they've got capable people to fill in. They're going to get more transfers and they're going to do the same thing and they're bringing those top three back. It's not going to be the big fall that everybody's thinking, Oh, they had their one shot. It's over now. No, that's, that's not the case at all. And you know, you look at what they've got and yeah, it's going to, to your point, it could be, it, it could be the same kind of scenario for them all over again. They're going to be, you know, very, very similar uh, because of the, you know, we expect to see a very similar lineup, right? The top three are the probably the top three and then the new guys uh, to the team playing down lo- at four five and six. And it's just how well do they fill the shoes? Of of Nick and Charlie and Spencer. Uh, yeah. Those are big shoes to fill, but they've got some really, really capable guys.
1: And I want to talk about those guys, but to put a final bow on 2021, and Maddie, you'll get the last word here. You look at the numbers. Every flight, singles, doubles, they won at least 66% of their matches. Their worst flight, 21-11. and 11 at three singles they went over 80 percent of their matches at four five and six they you know a ton of success over 20 wins at the one two and three doubles positions and I mean it is crazy when you look at it the three lowest win position uh winning percentages in terms of their singles lineup was at one uh was at excuse me two and three in Matias Soto and Sven Law who again are two of the three returners they bring back to their top three and obviously for Sven You know, he did not have the year he was looking for last season. We're all expecting a big bounce back from him. Feels like you can stick Sven with Jimmy Bendick, with Connie Fronson, with Alex Gruskin. He'll be a top five doubles player in the country. But your final thoughts on this 2021 season? Again, for Nick, for Charlie, for Spencer, we knew they were going to be good. They were that good, though. Like they performed up to this. Everyone said, well, you know, you've got all this talent. It's ridiculous. They were ridiculous.
2: Yeah, they were. I mean, it was just... Again, I have so many memories, like each individual match, right? Cause I saw them all. If I wasn't there, I streamed them or whatever. Um, each just individual match though, I can go back and pick out some little memories. So for me, it was a super special season. I know Nick really enjoyed it, um, you know, when he did what he wanted to do. And that's, you know, give yourself a chance to to be there at the end and, and try and win the thing. And, and they nearly did it, uh, but just a great group of guys. You know, you talk about coach Woodson Gruskin, he'll never admit it, right? you mentioned that he's kind of that engine of course he is I think we know that but he's never going to be the guy to take any credit that's not who he is he always talks about hey it's the program right it's the people we have around us it's my other coaches um, you know Izak and George you know those guys and Jackie and just everybody in the program that really makes it all go Um, it's a group effort and I, I think they're going to be able to have similar success this year He's a killer.
1: Don't get me wrong. He loves to compete as much as anyone. Oh, yeah. He is the CEO, though. Like, again, you are around the Baylor program. You will see he fits that CEO role extraordinarily well from marketing, building the community, all the way through to the X's and O's on the court. He does have full command. And, again, if you want to read more about what's happening on the Baylor program's campus, you can read my piece. You can read Maddie's piece. With that said— Let's turn the page to 2022, and we'll talk about the people replacing the bottom of the lineup for the Baylor Bears. But I want to start talking about the top of the lineup, and I want to start with you, Chris, because, again, I think it's a common conception amongst College Tennis Nation. Adrian Boytown's is one of the five best players in the country, and we talked about it yesterday. I think he's going to be top 100 in the world someday. You think he will be as well. You're just not quite as confident as I am Heats up at the end of the year, has an extraordinary fall on the pro circuit. But again, if we're being honest, yeah, he was exceptional last year. Matias Soto, 14-5. and Good. Not great. Good. And, you know, beats Monday of Tennessee when it's crunch time. But I don't think he was exceptional last year. Obviously, Sven was not exceptional last year. Now, that's not the level he's capable of. But how good is this returning top
3: three, Chris, when you stack it up with some of the others across the country? On any given, on the problem is what's it look like over the long haul? Any given day, they can beat anybody. They're very, very good, right? And when you said one of the top five, I think you meant number five, yeah, Adrian Boyton, right? Yeah, num- exactly. that's what I thought. That's yeah, number five
1: singles player, Adrian <laughs> Boyton. Just, just, just for Coach
3: five. Woodson, got to make sure we got that straight. <laughs> but uh yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah no I mean obviously uh you know Adrian's gonna play with 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 anybody and you, you're not gonna have you know you you don't even really probably have the doubts there where your doubts uh might come in are gonna be hey I, can they do better at two and three than they did last year and look I think the deal with with Sven is and I've heard this you know i I, I remember hearing this distinctly and I don't know when it was alex probably three years ago when Strolley played him in the Futures, uh, you know, over in Croatia or, you know, Bosnia Serbia somewhere. And he, you know, and I, and I didn't even really know much about Sven at the time. And he comes back and he tells me, he says, look, and I think Strolley beat him, but he said, if the kid tries, he's amazing. (laughs) Right. But he doesn't always, you know he's not always there, right? There's got to be something. There's got to be something in it for him, and it, so it's maybe not going to always be the best. And and maybe that's just a mental a mental battle for him. And it's probably a lot more mental than it is anything else. He's got all the talent in the world. Uh, I have no doubts that uh, you know that he can beat anybody. Now with the guys they're bringing in, we say top three. If he does what he did last year, especially early on not going to surprise me in the least to see Mizuchi up there and spend down at four. Right. I mean, that could happen. I don't think we start there. He's going to get his shot to, to defend his position if you will. Uh, and, and hopefully he does that, but, but yeah, they're, they're, they're still very, very good. And, you know, I think barring the likes of, I'm still going to go back to, yeah, if you're going to make me put him up against the Florida top three, I'm going to take Florida. Right. But there aren't very many of those schools that I'm gonna go, I'm gonna take the top three from, uh, from the other team. I mean, we might've exhausted my list right there. Uh, I mean, that, that could be, you know, I might be calling heads up on, on some after that, hmm. but I'm probably not gonna put them in the dog category anywhere after
0: that
2: Completely agree. I mean, look, I'll take this top three against anybody. Look, even against Florida, right? And I know Florida would be favored in that matchup there. But look, I'm going to take Adrian, Matias Sven against anybody you want to throw out there. I'll take my chances. It may work out. It may not, but I like those guys and I'm, I'm comfortable rolling them out there. Um, for sure. I think that's the top half of the lineup. Like Chris said, um, but, man, Matias Gruskin, you've got to realize, Matias is a guy that he, you you said he wasn't exceptional, but this guy played some matches, man. I mean, he beats Alistair Gray like 0-1. He made like two unforced errors in the entire match. It was a ridiculous performance. I mean, he, when the team really needed him, maybe with the exception of the national championship, right, when he lost to Riffis there, he came he came up with the goods I'm just telling you he really did I mean this guy can play at an exceptional exceptionally high level Um, and for me I think Matias Soto is a, is a top 10 level talent um, in the country. He is a top 10 caliber player. There's no question about it. I think he can easily do as well as he did last year, if not have a bit of a better year. And Sven's going to have a better year. I'm just telling you that right now. Last year, I don't know everything that happened, but um, I'm confident that he can he can get it right because I saw him in Orlando and it was unbelievable.
1: I have never believed you less than when you say, I don't know everything that happened. You're just saying, I don't want to say everything that's happened. But here's the answer of why Sven will be better. Um, no, I mean, here's what I meant when I said he wasn't exceptional. It wasn't, you know, 15-5 and five isn't luck. It's not, all right, we're winning two, we got to find three more, right? Now, he can be that player. I agree with you. And I think this year... You know, older member of the team, the burden's that much more important, particularly early in the season, where A, there's some unexperienced opponents across the country, but B, you know, again, there are other guys at the bottom of the lineup who just haven't been Baylor Bears for that long, and they're going to turn to Matias and see, well, how does this guy compete? Can I follow him here on the court? I think he can be better, is what I'm trying to say. And, you know, he didn't play much this fall, was injured, and, you know, coming off of different things, two and one overall. But to your point, Sven was six and two. Here in the fall, that is a big step forward for uh, the Bears and obviously Boiton successful on the pro circuit as well. The reason I bring up the top three is I don't think they were as good as they could have been last year. And I think they will be even better this season. And that's one reason to think this Baylor team can be better than last year's iteration is A, all the top three players are better versions of themselves entering 2022. B, you look at the depth on this team. And Maddie, I want to go to you first here because you just know some of these guys better than Chris and I do at this point. But obviously... Let's start with some of the returners. Finn Bass, back in line. He has had a good fall. You look for Finn here. Uh, I believe, you know, it says two and two in singles, but I know he played some pro circuit uh, matches, had success at the futures level, had success on the doubles court as well. He's looking to be a bigger contributor this season. Of course, you talk about the transfers they bring in. Jacob Brum coming in. That's an experienced hand at five, six singles if you need him coming in from Cal. Of course, you bring in Juan Pablo Mizucci who has had success at during his tenure at UCF he's now in the roster as well. Of course, Tadias Paralek coming over from TCU. We know Teddy can be good in the big 12. We know Teddy can be a good bottom of the roster option. And again, the biggest luxury coach Woodson has is the top three is back. So once again, what are you asking these transfers to do? Have success at four, five, six singles. They're all experienced players as well. Of course, don't want to exclude a uh, Cole Gromley coming over from Georgia tech. He's a guy who's had some success. Of course, you look at the freshman they bring in, the big name, Marko Milodinovic, uh, who they bring in at the end of the recruiting period, former top junior in the world, now joining the team. Again, all you're asking from him as a freshman, can you be a bottom three singles lineup contributor? Couple other new faces in the mix as well. But again, right off the top of your head, Mandy, Bass, Brum, Mizuchi, Miladinovic, Paralek. Five pretty clear-cut options all to fill those four through six single spots. Your thoughts on the depth this year. Is it better than last season's depth? And what do you think about four, five, and six, how it shakes out?
2: Well, again, going back to last year, right? We can't forget about our guys. How about Ryan Dickey, man, and Connie Franson? I mean, these guys were still around, and when they played, they won. I mean, I don't don't think either one of those guys, when they got in the lineup, they didn't lose a match. I don't
1: think Connie Connie, lost a dual match in singles his last, like, three seasons or something crazy like that. That's what I'm saying.
2: That's what I'm saying. So I don't know if, like, again, the depth last year was almost absurd. It was kind of stupid. This year – It's close to that. I mean, again, you just rattled off all those guys. One guy that I do want to talk about for a second, though, is Finn Bass. You bring him up, Gruskin. This guy, I think, is going to be a major contributor. I really do. He is going to be a doubles stalwart. I'll tell you that right now. He's going to play at the top of the dubs lineup, I think, with Sven Law. I'm almost sure of it. and He should. He's earned it. He's really stepped up, and he was clutch last year. Some of those big postseason matchups, when he was playing with Charlie, they really came through when it was big time. So him and Charlie they, were the best doubles pairing
1: of any of the doubles duos we saw in the NCAA tournament.
2: I mean, they were outstanding. Yeah. And I. I don't see any reason why Finn's gonna slow down. And in singles, I think he really can contribute in singles. He had that pro success. I mean, he has cranked his game up a notch. I think he's rededicated himself and he wants to make a bigger impact. He can do it. I know he's probably listening to this and um, he's got an opportunity. I'm very high on Finn Bass. That's my guy. I, I want him to uh, to get in there and show people what he can do because he's super talented. And then, you know, again, it's gonna be a transfer thing. Mizuchi and and Parallelac and Bro. And, you know, for me, Gruskin, the key is Marco, though. I haven't talked to Coach Woodson about this, but the question that I'm wondering, and you guys probably are too, how good really is Marco? Like, is he going to come in and be able to play four, right? Like right behind... Sven Law, is he that good, or is this guy gonna be maybe fighting to play six or is he even out of the lineup at number seven? We don't know. I really don't know. And so to me, that's gonna be a critical piece here because he's gonna slide in, you know, either at the top of the lower part of the lineup, or he may not even be in there at all. That that I think can make a big difference. But no matter what, no matter which direction they go, all of those guys can play. So I feel good about it.
1: I think if Marco's playing four and we're not talking about it as a stack come May, this team is really freaking good. Because yeah, that that's what I'm he, saying. If yeah. he's that good. Then they're probably the one seeds come the NCAA tournament. And I'll say this on Finn. Alex Garcia transferred. Joseph Chen transfers. Sebastian Nothaf transferred. Those guys could have stayed and continued to fight for playing time. They wanted to go find a closer thing to a sure thing. And guess what? You can understand that decision. But you can also understand Finn Bass's decision to stay because he wants to compete and be amongst the best. You know, he talked about it. Brum talked about it so clearly. They think the facilities, the opportunities for training offered at Baylor, simply put, are just better than you're going to find everywhere else. And hopefully that training pays dividends. Again, it's crowded at the bottom of the lineup. Mizuchi was pretty damn good at UCF throughout the course of his playing time. And, you know, it's interesting, Chris, because all these guys are good. But they fit the typecast much more of four, five, six singles than the guys who came in last season, right? Broom was playing one for Dartmouth, was playing it well. You know, Nick was playing one for ACC, uh, for Duke was playing it horribly, but at least was playing one for Duke. You know, sorry, that's just a shot. Hopefully he's listening. You know I love you, Nicky. Spencer was always excellent. He continues to be excellent. He will always continue, you know, will always be excellent in my mind. You knew whomever was going to be at six of that, those three, like, lock. Just lock them in right now. Do you feel, when you look at all the transfers coming in, do you look at any of them as locks, the way those three guys are? And what
3: do you make of the bottom of Baylor's lineup? Mizucci's a lock. There's no way he's not playing. Mm-hmm. I mean, to me, that that's a lock. I, I want to say he plays four. I'm going to go, you know, I'll follow up a, a couple things on Maddie's take. So, first, when I made the statement earlier that I was the guy that was highest on Baylor as soon as the season ended about what they could do the following year. 90% of my take in making that statement was because of Finn Bass. I mean, what we saw out of him, uh, you know, both just when in not getting to play a lot, but then saw him in doubles. We, you know, I was sitting just a couple spots down from Maddie for that NCAA final. And, you know, he's right on that line. I don't particularly... I don't particularly care for guys that are overly cocky and overly arrogant, but he is right on that perfect line to me of a guy that's just super confident in himself has a ton of fun playing and makes, and, and makes you uncomfortable with the way he acts at the same time. You know, to me, it's like, like Draxel's just over the edge for me. It's, it's too much finn is that perfect line and i just i loved watching him play and i knew i mean i just knew he was not getting to play because of the three guys they brought in but he could have easily stepped in and put filled in spencer's shoes and i think probably put up the same record that spencer did playing in that spot so i have no doubts about it now now the problem becomes you bring in mizuchi who i feel like Uh, you know, in bringing him in, that he's a lock to be in the lineup. I think Paralec, barring the Paralec we saw early in the year for TCU, is a lock to be in the lineup. And now I'm down to, well, to start the year, there's no doubt in my mind, it's Finn Bass. You got to give the guy the nod. He's been there. You're not going to bring in a January commit freshman and just go day one Hey, you're in, and Finn, you're sitting again. I don't think you do that just out of out of sheer respect for Finn, um, but he's going to have to obviously earn his spot to stay in the lineup. And Coach Woodson's going to get to see what Marco can do. If Marco's clearly the you know at a level where he needs to be in the lineup, he's going to find a way to put him in the lineup. But I don't think he's going to start there. And and so I think when when we start the season, we're going to see, like Maddie said, I think we'll see Marco as being the seventh guy while he gets to get evaluated and figure out whether he's there. And Finn gets to prove that he belongs. I mean, look guys, blaze Bicknell did not lose a singles match last mm-hmm. year period for Florida at number four, the last tournament Finn bass played this, th- this fall a futures in November, he beat blaze. Okay. So we're not talking about a guy that's like, Oh, I'm not sure. Can he place No, he beat the best number four in the country. Yeah. Uh, and so, and you get the luxury of saying, hey, you can play six on day one. There's no doubt that's what I do. Yeah. And again, when you look at this I
1: like team. It. No, they've got a ton of options for sure. And Coach Woodson has put together the sort of schedule where he will have opportunities to experiment kickoff weekend beyond that as well. It is an interesting fall, though. And, you know, the pro circuit numbers aren't baked into this. In college matches, and again, I'm sure Coach Woodson takes it all with a grain of salt. Thirty-three and twenty-two overall in the fall. Now, the two big numbers, Parallax 7-3, and Svenlaw six and 2 I think those are two numbers he's looking for most. Mizuchi doesn't really play at all. It didn't play at all this fall. And, you know, again, I think for Parallax being healthy, having big results, that's big for this team as well. They only played four doubles pairings together. Now, it, to Maddie's point, it does feel like they've got a team in Bass and Law at the number one spot well, Boiton's probably going to have to play more doubles this year. Obviously, you feel pretty good about Matias with anyone uh, wherever you're pairing him. So, you know, you throw Matias in whomever at that number two spot, you probably feel pretty good. Him and Mizuchi, that feels like a natural fit at number two. And then, you know, again, if you have Boiton at three doubles, you've got the best player on the court. You always like that scenario— But there are some unknowns about this lineup, just given the lack of continuity in it. And it's always interesting to see a team work through those lineup issues, particularly when, again, you look at the Baylor schedule, there's no rest. In it, Maddie. Obviously, they've got, you know, doubleheader this Saturday, SMU Monday, Nebraska Thursday, but they're rocking and rolling a bunch of matches before the national indoors. They play Texas before the national indoors. After that, they're playing Virginia at home. They get, you know, Illinois in Champaign. They're making an Arizona trip. They're playing Michigan, TCU in a non-conference battle it's a loaded schedule, so with that in mind, talk to me about the singles lineup. You expect to see? Do you expect to see changes throughout the course of the year?
2: Oh, definitely. Let's just let's just look back to last year, guys, and, and specifically in dubs. I will say last year's singles was. Pretty I was gonna scary. say I'm gonna disagree. Like I, the singles lineup they played in the national
1: indoor final. They played in the national championship final. There Correct. was not. Yeah, they were able to pull because of injuries and various stuff. But we knew what the six were. We don't know who the six are this year
2: you're right i totally agree and i meant more dubs gruskin remember sure. all the dubs pairings that we saw i mean nick played with spencer and he played with adrian and then he ends up playing with matthias and you know charlie and matthias played and then it was charlie and finn and you know so the dubs was really getting mixed up and i do think we're going to see that again i'm not so sure gruskin if we're going to see a lot of adrian and doubles though I- i'm not totally convinced that that's going to be the case i know you may think that we'll see I don't know if he's gonna have to play dubs I know Adrian and I think it may even be a little bit better if he can focus on singles and just I mean if he can win up there at one and take out the best players in the country that's I mean he's doing his part Um, but I think look the top three are set as far as my lineup you asked me what the lineup's going to be it's going to be Adrian it's going to be Matias at two Sven at three I I think I agree with Chris with uh, Wampy at four. I think that's just a, a pretty natural fit, you know, him coming over from UCF. I think he slides in there and kind of takes over what Nick was doing last year at that same position. I think he can do that. I just don't know after that. I like Finn. I think Finn deserves to be in there. He needs to at least get a shot because it, from where I sit, he's earned it. Um, I just don't know how good Marco is. This is the one question I got to talk to coach and just really get a gauge for what he thinks the upside is there with Marco. Um, because I just haven't seen too much of him to really know, hey, can this guy come in and, and play four? Is he going to be, does he have the upside to get in the top three or is he, is he more of a six player or is he not even going to play at all? I don't know. I mean, we know what Teddy Paralek can do. So, you know, the lineup that Chris mentioned or the six guys, I I agree. I like it. I think, Chris, that's a that's a fair uh, assessment to make of it. But we just don't know how good Marco is. That's my one question, Mark, because he could, he could screw that six up. You know, if he comes in relatively quickly um, and can show that he can play, you got to throw him in there. I mean, if he's clearly, you know, playing at a higher level than Finn or, or Teddy or whoever, he's got to be in there. And he will be.
3: Chris. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I gave my six. The problem I have is I don't know that we'll necessarily see that as a steady lineup for the first month of the season, because in all honesty, I don't think Baylor gets a match really until they play Texas Texas. in February, right? Even through kickoff weekend, right? I mean, kickoff weekend, they're going to get William and Mary, and then they're either going to get Miami or Clemson. None of those teams should challenge Baylor so they're gonna have free now now they will still throw for sure in the championship match at home they're gonna throw their best lineup out there and not take any chances but they're gonna have a lot of opportunities to let different guys play but I think I, I'm right there with, with Maddie we you know the top three yeah I think it's it's it's. we see boy Tom, we see Soto we see La we see Mizuchi at four we see, I think we see Teddy at five I mean if we get any likeness of the Teddy that absolutely beat the snot out of Kyle Seelig and then in, in CAAs. If that's the Teddy that they've got, then he's playing and, and he's in there, you know, at four or five. Uh, and then I think we see Finn Bass at six Marco, you know, the same thing, the issue I have with all the January commits is they don't know what the heck college tennis is, especially the foreigners, right? They don't know what it's about. They don't really know what they're getting themselves into it, over and above the team aspect. It's the, Oh, now, you know, I used to go out and I would hit with my, you know, with my coach or whatever, but I wasn't as serious about my conditioning as, as I have to be when I get to college. I get to college and find out, oh my gosh, these guys are like incredible shape. You know, I can go back to the Nuno's and likes Mm -hmm. of the world that show up. And they're like, um, I'm going to be last place and hold dragging all you guys down on the sprints. And, you know, from, from my friends in Serbia that tell me, you know, Marco may not be the you know he may not be coming in as the top fit guy in the world so he's probably going to have some adjustments there as well. It's just it's natural because that's not the environment they've been in so I think it it's going to be very natural for him to just have to get work his way into the college game and find a spot in the lineup and prove he deserves to be there. So I yeah, I very much like Finn at 6.
1: Are you telling me you have sources in Serbia now Chris? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> who could your sources in Serbia possibly be? I mean, you—you you can only imagine who could. He's actually coaching. What uh, are you? Are I'll you get. on the train? Are you the one leaking? I talked to Dusan Laljevic's plumber, who talked to Djokovic's dad, who <laughs> talked no. to Djokovic. This <laughs> yeah, comes from Crack Rackets contributor Chris Halliwell. So I have to be ready to see that in the next issue of Like Keep.
3: I- Definitely not. Definitely not getting into any of that. I could care less about uh, about any of that. Okay, that's fair. Um, no. What, right. what I do want to know is how these Serbians managed to not make it to Mississippi State. So you know, that's <laughs> that was my only concern. So I have to get the scoop on all of the guys that come over.
1: <laughs> yeah, completely fair. And you know, again. We've talked about it, how crucial the doubles is going to be uh, for all these teams with how thin the margins are. When you look at this Baylor team, Maddie, what's your biggest question? If they don't win the national championship, why? Why would that be
2: the case? I think the reason why would be the depth isn't as good as it was last year, right? We We see a step back from all of those stats, right, from Nick, Charlie, Spencer, Connie, you know dickie we see a step back and those guys in the lower part of the lineup don't perform up to that standard and again doubles is a big question mark it was a big question mark last year i was really curious to see what coach was going to do with last year's doubles lineup and you know we saw how it ended up shaking out but it took a little while i mean we were playing around with the dubs lineup you know even into march and you know right before the conference play started so for me, again, that is a question mark. I think we know Finn and Sven are going to be up there at one. I think at least they should be. Um, and then you've got a bunch of other guys that we know can play dubs, right? Matias Soto, very good dubs player. Mizuchi, really good dubs player. He's been highly ranked. Um, Teddy Paralek has played dubs. A lot of dubs for TCU, and he can play. Uh, you know, go down the line. Um, you know, you name it, these guys can all play um, Brum. Jacob Brum's a, a good dubs player as well. So I just think there's a lot of possibilities. We're going to have to see how it shakes out. I don't know, but I think we'll see some mixing and matching in doubles for sure. And who knows, Gruskin? you might be right, we may even see a little bit of Adrian in there once yeah. in a while.
1: I like it. Chris, same question to you. If this team doesn't win the national championship, why?
3: Well, I mean, I can think of two cases. One is, you know, they run – whether it be the final, the quarterfinal or whatever, they they run into Florida at some point and lose. And it's simply because, you know, if they do, if that's what happens and they lose and they lose in the way that say they did last year, it's just because they ran into a better team, nothing to do with, you know, something was wrong with them. That's it. Barring it being the fact that, you know, they lose to a Florida team that is playing like we, you know, like their potential Uh, if it's not going to be that, then yeah, I'm, I'm with Maddie. I think that the the replacing of the four, five, six that they had last year, it didn't quite live up to what they needed, uh, and and it, it let them down. And that's going to be the that's going to be the reason.
2: Fair, I, I think. I don't think good that'll say. be the case though. Let me just say. Yeah, I, I don't either. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. I think these I, guys lower are going to be able to carry it through. I, I think they are.
1: I mean, this team is going to be very good. There's no denying that. And, you know, with that in mind, let's get to the predictions, fellas. It's crunch time, almost time. Eventually, one of these next three, we're going to name our national champion, unless, like me, you're picking Michigan, to win it all this year. With that said, we'll start with you, Maddie. It's your team, your squad. You dropped a wee in that. I love it. How are you guys going to do this year?
2: Yeah, no, it's it's going to be another fantastic season. These are my guys. They know it. I'm rooting for them. I'm with them all the way. Um, And I think they are going to win the big 12 again. I do I think it's going to come down to Baylor and Texas TCU. They're already short. They're playing five guys in a lineup. They don't even have six. Uh, That is not a good way to start the season, even though they're very talented. I mean, they're going to beat a lot of good teams TCU is. But for me, it comes down to that Baylor Texas match in uh, early April, Uh, April 1st. It might actually be if I'm not mistaken in uh, in Austin. I just think Baylor's going to find a way to get it done. I think they're going to win the Big 12. I think they're the best team overall. It's close. Texas is really good. TCU is really good. I just think this Baylor team's going to be a little bit better. And then on a national scale, look, we have them ranked number three. I think we all believe they can they can go all the way and win it. They can. They they have enough talent. There's enough depth. The coaching's gonna be, I mean, it's as good of a coaching staff in the country, if you ask me. Um, they have the ability to go all the way, there's no question. I think they're gonna be a final four team. I have them in my final four. Um, and that's where I'm gonna have them finishing for now. It's such a new team with so many new faces. I mean, we're talking about, you know, four transfers and and three freshmen coming in. A majority of the squad is very new. Uh, We have the core four, and I'm going to refer to these guys as the core four throughout the season, Adrian, Matias, Sven, and Finn. Those four are the core four, um, but after that, it's a lot of new faces, so I just don't know. I can't say without seeing them that this team is going to make it all the way like last year's team did. I'm going to have Baylor as of this moment um, losing in the semifinals as a final four team. But would I be shocked if they win it? Not even a little bit. I think they could absolutely win it all. And that's what I want to happen. Sick bears.
1: I love it, Chris. I don't know if you have the UTRs up in front of you. If you do, uh, I did want to get to them uh, before we end that show. But again, how does this team stack up nationally? Give me your predictions for them.
3: Yeah, see here. Here we go again. I'm higher than Maddie is.
1: So wow. I. Uh, by I, the way, I, I am pause. Westoff, cut that clip. I'm going to start using that as a sound drop whenever you say something <laughs> stupid. I'm higher than Maddie is. Because um, yeah, you know why. Um, all right, <laughs> yeah. sorry. Go on. Oh wow, that is that's. I love it. Oh, that's um, by the way. Put it in the intro. There
3: it is. Put it in the intro. <laughs> He's higher than Maddie. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, no, I, I, I absolutely love the prospects for this team. I think, uh, I think they win. I think they win the Big Twelve. I think we get a rematch in the national championship of Florida and Baylor. I'm taking them to the final. I think that's unfortunately for them where it ends again uh, at the hands of the Florida Gators. But I, I think they make it all the way to the final uh, on the strength of, of again, the strength of what they're going to get. At the bottom of that lineup, the top will be solid. The bottom will be exceptional. So and
1: again, I want if you can give me the national UTR where this team stands up with Florida, Tennessee, et cetera. But, you know, I let you guys talk about the takes. I'm going to zag a bit. I actually think it's going to be the top of this lineup that separates it from other teams across the country. I think Boyton is going to put together one of those seasons where he's the guy at the top of the lineup. I think Soto should have been better than he was last season. I think healthy this year, he's going to take that step up or just the physicality now. He's just going to be fitter than so many of the players. And yeah, I know, you know, Shelton or whomever is the two, Valle for Florida, that's a fascinating match. But like, whether it's him, whether it's Walton or Monday at Tennessee, Spazeri or whomever at Texas, he's proven, shown he can beat all of those guys. I think this top three goes from being good last year to the heart of the lineup this season. And then again, I think they take two of the top three in every match they play. I think you can lock in six singles, whomever that six ends up being, you would imagine, or five, maybe even more so. But I don't feel as good about this team at four and five as I did last year. It's not Charlie. It's not Nick, guys who had proven they could be number one singles players across the country. Now, Mizuchi is that good, and I think if he's at five, he's your lock in that bottom part of the lineup. But I think doubles is going to be this important to that uh, this team. And I think they're going to be very good at doubles. I do think they're going to slide Boitana at three doubles by the end of the season. I just think his presence there is a helpful thing, how big he freaking hits that forehand. Soto might be the best doubles player on the team, as good as Sven La is. Like, they have two options that they're going to split up. mizucci has been a top 30 guy in doubles before, and just they can find a serve for Soto to play with. Or, you know, again, I, I think if it's Finn Bass and Sven La at one and Mizuchi and Soto at two— again, Boytan and whomever, give uh, give Muzza, or I forget his name, I'm blanking here, Ethan, some reps at that three doubles, you feel fine no matter what. Um, that, to me, is what will separate this team come May, is they've got a top three now, La, Soto, Boytan, who have seen it all, who have won at that level, and I think that's how this team gets back to the NCAA final. Now, do I think this team wins the championship? I do not. And sadly, I agree with Chris. I think Florida knocks him off. Sorry for the spoiler alert, folks. But I do – I just like Florida – I've seen it from Florida. I know they can win. And I think that's why it's the safe pick certainly. But I think it's the correct pick. And I do think, you know, again, this team beats Texas because I think this team's a little deeper than Texas is. And I just think over the course of the regular season, that depth absolutely matters. Now, I'll say this. I like Texas' six better than I like Baylor six if everyone's healthy at the end of the year again I like the top three of Baylor a little bit more but one through six when you can have Cleve Harper at six and you know against uh Ciamara at five and Deep at four if Pierre Bailey's clicking the way we talked about at the beginning that that is a, again Ciamara at five is like having Charlie Broom at five and so that to me is a formula I've seen replicated That said, I think this team's, again, going to be really good during the regular season. I think they're going to ride that experience at the National Indoors. I think they ride that experience at the NCAA tournament. It's funny because just so you listeners know, probably our biggest debate in doing these preseason rankings, I'm just going to say it. Sorry, buddy. Chris had Baylor at number one. And then he goes, well, actually, I moved them because I thought you were going to have them at number one, Gruskin. And I said, that's funny, Chris. I moved them because I knew you were going to have them at number one because I knew you were going to think that I thought that they were number one. Um, And that's when we started all yelling at each other and things spiraled out of control. But this team is that good. And they've got eight guys who you can feel very comfortable about filling in throughout the course. Again, if the worst-case scenario, we haven't talked about it, is Jacob Brum at six singles. Don't you feel pretty good with Jacob Brum, that profile at the number six singles position? You do feel pretty good. And so this team has options at the bottom of the lineup. I think they're a little worse there. Definitely better at the top. I think the doubles point could be just as good as it was last year. Although, you know, I hope Nick texts me and says, "Gruskin, you always tell me how bad I am at doubles. Do you know how good I am at doubles? I'm like, please, you suck at doubles. Um, No, he's very good at doubles. And him and Spencer were a top five team in the country. And like, you know, Connie was really good at doubles and was not afraid of anything on the court. And yet, for some reason, I just see this team making the finals. Like, again... We'll get into Tennessee next week. I have this team as a finalist. I have this team's depth separating it in the Big 12. I do think Texas's upside is a little higher, but I think the Baylor uh, floor is a little bit higher. And I think they're more likely to hit their upside than Texas. So I'll take the Bears to make the final. But again, a bridesmaid, not a bride. Final words to you two. We'll start with you, Manny, and then Chris, give me the UTRs afterwards.
2: It's interesting that both of you guys have Baylor one round further than I do. You know, it's just early, right? I mean, I've got them as a Final Four team, but you would think I'd be the one, you know, saying, "Oh, they're sure. they're going to win it and they're going to make the finals." I I could easily see, and I thought about it. You know, what if we get a rematch? What if it is Florida Baylor again, back to back years? I mean, I'd love to see it. Oh, sign me up for that all day. It's just. The two teams that we haven't talked about yet, I don't know, man. I just have really good feelings about both of those teams, and I, I don't know. It just seems like it's a little more known. Like, I just want to see these these Baylor guys get on the court together, see how it all gels, because I'm going to know what it's supposed to look like. Um, I'm, I'm excited, man. This team is going to be really good, and I'm excited for another ride.
1: Are you telling me you want to see if this team stays together? Stays together? That's something you want to learn from them? <laughs> oh, they're definitely going to do that. Yeah, exactly. All
3: right, Chris, final word goes to you. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to have a year where I'm the guy that's high on Baylor and, you know, Woodson doesn't get to just, you know, <laughs> slide into my DMs with all my trash about him all the time. So, you know.
1: Just, well, what will be no, fantastic is if they're not good this year, and then he blames you, and he goes, "Chris, never again.
3: Can you root for the Baylor Bears? In fact, I'm never going to send you any gear." That would be very apropos. Yeah, yeah. I'm still waiting on that gear, Coach Woodson. By the way, so <laughs> uh, yeah. So you asked, uh, you asked UTRs, Gruskin. They are actually uh, listed as seventh, but I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put an asterisk on that and say actually sixth, because wake forest is still listed two, still showing Henry Squire on the roster, which we know uh, is now official. He's not coming back. Uh, so once we take him out that bumps them down, uh, but UTR wise, I mean, Florida is a full point ahead of the field. Uh, and then you got, uh, a, a pretty tight field after that. Ohio state is actually two at an 81, six, uh, Texas, Tennessee, TCU, Baylor, Stanford, Virginia, all within like a couple tenths of a point each other in that order. So so they're right there, uh, you know, in, in that mix af- effectively after Florida and Ohio State uh, in terms of UTR-wise. Uh, but, yeah, I'm super excited to see uh, to see this team this year.
1: Two final thoughts, one on Baylor. A, I said this earlier, but, you know, the people who say, "Well, it's just transfers, and that 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 well is going to dry up eventually," that's just not the case. Like, it's going to be freshmen, it's going to be Americans, it's going to be all of these different players coming in to play for this Baylor program. They're here to stay. If you go to the campus, you see the investment they're putting in. You see it across Baylor Athletics. Again, immensely grateful for the opportunity to go down there. But I highly suggest you go read our work at Cracked Rackets because if you want to know how they're doing what they're doing, we talk about it there. B, I'm really hoping Wake Forest is good this year because the idea of Maddie coming on this show and excitingly talking about Tachi and Maroney, like there's no way that's not going to go well, right? And there's just like no way that doesn't go well. And so – like that's why I was excited to see them higher in the coaches poll. I whiffed on them so badly last year. I would like to not whiff on them as badly this year. Um, but yeah, with all that said, Maddie, you look like you got something else.
2: No, that's it, man. We'll uh, we'll see what Wake can do. Uh, mm-hmm. I am excited to see that team play. But mm-hmm. hey, man, you know where you know where I stand. Sikkim Bears all the way. I
3: like it, Chris. Ah, oh, uh, that's it for me,
1: man. All right, well, with that said then, as always, if you want to learn more about the Baylor Bears, check out our website, crackedrackets.com. You can read from Maddie, myself. You can go hear from Coach Michael Woodson as soon as we get him on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed. Of course, you can see more about this team on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel as well. If you missed any of the episodes in our College Contender series, catch up on them all on our website, crackrackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates on everything happening across the tennis world, and how could you not? The Djokovic drama continuing to unfold in Australia. You know it's crazy when I've been asked to do five TV hits in a week. That's how you know they're really, again, at that back bench looking for people to fill some time slots. Uh, but if you want to catch up on that, you want to catch up on the action actually happening on court in Australia, start getting prepared for the Australian Open, which also freaking begins next week. You can do all of that on our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, immediate updates again, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Pod. Like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Mini Break crack Interviews podcast, and our YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss out on anything. Of course, a shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the – of an job he does day in, day out. With all that said, for my fantastic co hosts, Matt Stokoyak, Chris Hallior, Super Producer Daniel Westhoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Gentlemen, what do we tell our listeners? Hey. Hey. Great shot. Great shot. And we will see you all for episode the penultimate episode. Take care, everyone.